The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Coming up on Life Today, James Robison explains how you can stand against the attacks of the enemy and start living amazed. And you know, many people wondered how a preacher, as visible as I was, as appearing to be so effective with such great crowds and such great response, could suddenly get up and tell the whole world I was defeated and actually prayed to die. I was that tormented. How in the world could that happen? Here's how it happened. So Betty and I welcome you to life today. We're just so grateful we have this opportunity to share with you. We're actually in a seminar on spiritual warfare. This is the emphasis the entire week. Living Amazed is the journey, let's say the entire 73 year journey from a miraculous birth where my mother was, was forced to in sex and conceived in a rape and a doctor wouldn't abort me. But the miracle things that happened are so amazing. The thing I want everyone to understand is Everyone can live amazed in the power of God's Spirit, which is why we spent three weeks here with just folks who wanted to uh, be able to say, thank God I'm free. Betty, more than 25 years ago, God did a deep work in my life uh, that led to this uh, incredible story of freedom and uh, understanding spiritual warfare, which we didn't understand, did no, we? we didn't. And we experienced defeat that was unnecessary. We would uh, uh, resist the flesh and reckon the devil dead when the Bible says, resist the devil and reckon the flesh dead, well, you're gonna see how in the world we can have spiritual victory in the era of spiritual warfare. We join that seminar, Living Amazed. Well, I'm so grateful you joined us. We've got a studio full of people that have been here for three weeks. Now, that doesn't mean they've been here every day for three weeks. This isn't a 20 day, 21 day deal. But they have come to spend the evening with us for three straight weeks, and by the way, uh, if you've been blessed by what we're sharing, we may be doing this on Tuesday nights where we will take a topic or a subject and we will deal with it for a couple of weeks. And it will be me, it will be my wife, Betty, and it will be Sheila Walsh, and it will be Dudley Hall. And oftentimes we will bring in someone else who is really anointed to deal with a particular subject that we're gonna deal with. And we're gonna continue to have our guests that you're going to meet and come to love and appreciate their testimonies and their stories. Uh, when I released the book, Living Amazed, I wanted to make sure that everyone understood that this is just not some special journey that I've been on, an amazing journey. But it is in fact God's divine design for all of us to live in the power of His amazing grace. But not only His amazing grace, His divine supernatural enabling. That's what anointing is. The anointing of God the divine gifting of God for specific assignments or purposes to anoint with divine enabling even the gifts that God has given us. I mean, the Lord gave me a gift to communicate. He anointed me, it appears, everyone seems to see it, with a special ability to communicate effectively in various settings and situations. I never thought I would be effective with television. As a matter of fact, I told you it was Billy Graham's team. It was Billy Graham that said to me, God told me in a prayer time that you're supposed to be on television on a regular basis and I'm not. I'm supposed to do the crusades and you're there all the time. Well, I said, Billy, I haven't heard that. And he said, you need to pray about that because I heard it. He sent his team to me. 
he sent the Walter Bennett agency to me, his son-in-law, and he said, this is what you need to do. And I said, I can't talk to people, they're not there. I just look at that camera, I'm not an actor, I can't do that. And they said, millions of people are sitting out there and you can talk to them. You know what happened? I mean, Billy Graham prays pretty effectively, did you know that? He's pretty good with his prayers. And you know what happened to me? And I just told the audience here, I'm not exaggerating. I look at every one of you in the face and you'd be surprised, you know what I see. I once said, I look at some people and God tells me that they're not saved. I had to tell T.D. Hall, Dudley's brother, that our soprano soloist at the youth camp at Falls Creek where you got touched by God, Dudley, as a football player in Alabama, and uh, you said you came to the retreat because you wanted to see all the pretty girls there, and I think they asked you to help better lifeguard position, and you surrendered to do that, and you came. <laughs> but I pointed out to your brother, I said, our soloist is not saved. Jeannie doesn't know the Lord. And T.D., your brother said, are we going to tell her? I said, no, we're not going to tell her. We'll let God tell her. And you know what? He told her and she got saved. Well, since I told that, I've had many people go, would you look at me and please tell me whether or not I'm saved? <laughs> well, let me just tell you right now, no. I told T.D. Hall, Dudley's brother, I said, God's going to tell her. We're just going to pray and tell her he did. And I want to say, Jeannie Rogers, what a missionary you are, what a treasure you are, and what a beautiful transformation God has worked in your life and continued to work through your life. And I praise God for it. All right. God's telling me about you. He tells me about many of you. Now listen to me. You don't have a need. You don't have a blind spot. You don't have a weak place. You don't have a pain. You don't have an issue that our Father in Heaven is not concerned about. He is able to deliver you. Now I want you to remember this. He did not deliver the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace. He delivered them in it. Most Christians go into a state of panic at the very thought of being in such a test. But you know what those faith-filled men said? We will survive. Our God will deliver us, but I get the rest of it. But even if he doesn't, he's still our God and we will not bow the need, the need to your idols, period. That's the way you go through the battle with God. I'm trusting him with my future, my problems, my pain, my issues, and I'm gonna trust him in the storm as well as when there's peace in the valley. I'll trust him. Father, I pray for everyone listening today that they will realize you're the answer to every challenge they face. And even in the fiery test, they can be refined like pure gold, like silver. And I pray, dear God, that they will welcome and count it all joy even when they come into trials, knowing that you are the one able to deliver them and to work through them your kingdom purpose in Jesus' name. I want you to open your Bible, if you would, uh, to Ephesians. I want you to go to chapter one. I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna reference very briefly what we showed our son Randy when we talked to him about adoption. When, when God is, is talking to us about relationship with the Father, if you remember when I began talking to all of you here and all of you at home, I said, we're going to learn which Father we are following and what spirit is controlling us, our spirits. 
Are we listening to Father God? Or are we listening to the Father of lies? The Father of life and hope or the Father of lies, of division, dissension, and destruction and death? Who are you listening to? We talked about knowing God as Father and a personal relationship with Him. I've shared with you on television that my wife Betty came out of the choir to give her life to Christ, even though she was known as the ultimate church girl. She didn't know Christ, and she came to know Christ. He changed her life. I was christened into a church, an Episcopal church, but I didn't know Christ. We came to Christ and our lives were changed. So being a church member does not make a person a Christian. Being Protestant, Evangelical, Pentecostal, Catholic, that doesn't make us a Christian. It's a relationship with Christ where he comes in. And here's what happens. In the first chapter of Ephesians, we find that God has chosen us in verse four, in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. And he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, the children of God, according to the kind intention of his will. From the very beginning, God has wanted a family that he could be the father of, and through that family, bless the nations of the world. He wants to pour his life out on you and release his life and his love through you. You become a vessel that's been shaped by God to honor him a channel through which he flows his life and his love, his transforming power. That's why we're here, and that's kingdom life. Now look what happens to too many believers. Go to that 2 Corinthians chapter 11 passage, and, and look what Paul said when he's writing to the New Testament church, the New Testament Christians. These verses God used to bring me to my knees. Years ago, as a highly visible evangelist, I found myself so tormented by the deceiver, so assaulted, so harassed, I actually referred to the enemy's grip on my mind like a claw in my brain. And what I found, think about this, that first year when I gave my testimony of freedom, I prayed personally that year with over 100,000 professing Christians, many of them church leaders, for them to find the freedom from that grip on their mind that torments so many. The thing that happened to me is what he's talking about right here. And it's what happens to many very sincere Christians. And you know, as I read these verses prior to coming here during this week, the memories were so precious to me that I found myself moved to tears because I remembered what it was like to have been so in love with Jesus that I could hardly wait to get alone with him every day. I, I told people that as a student at East Texas Baptist University, I could hardly wait for the class to be over. Not because the professor was boring. I just wanted to race into the woods, the piney woods of East Texas to be alone with Jesus and tell him how much I loved him. Look what Paul said to the New Testament Christian. I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy, verse two, 2 Corinthians 11. For I betrothed you to one husband, that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I'm afraid, I'm concerned, lest as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your mind should be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus. 
That's what happens. The simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus. One of the letters to the churches in the Revelation talked about leaving first love. Jesus was such first love that I'm telling you, I, when Betty has a whole shoebox full of letters, have you found that shoebox? Oh, I know. You know right where it mm-hmm. is. She has gotten those letters out that I wrote her. And one day she let me start reading them. And I'm a college student in East Texas, and she's down in Houston, and I'm writing these love letters. But it, it said something about, hi, Betty, been thinking about you. And then the whole letter is a love letter about Jesus and how much I love Jesus and how real he is to me. And I hope you're spending time with Jesus. He's so great. I said, Betty, the love letters were love letters to Jesus, weren't they? They were. And you know, when I read, I actually read them during this time that I was defeated. And I thought, God, I've lost that simplicity of devotion to Jesus. And you know, many people wondered how a preacher, as visible as I was, as appearing to be so effective with such great crowds and such great response, could suddenly get up and tell the whole world I was defeated and actually prayed to die. I was that tormented. How in the world could that happen? Here's how it happened. I didn't get caught doing something horrible. I missed the mark more ways than I would ever want to begin to talk about. I, I was rude, impatient, unkind. It was awful the way I would respond to people if they didn't do what I thought they would do. One of my staff members called me the wounded bear when I came into a meeting. And that was just a nice meeting we were having with the wounded bear. It was unbelievable what had happened to me. And you say, okay, James, what led you back? I missed Jesus. I missed him. I remember when he told me, I'm going to use you to speak in the largest stadiums and coliseums and churches. In just a matter of months, it'll happen. And here's what I said to Jesus. Please, all of you, don't miss this. This is what I said to him. I said, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter how big the crowds are. Jesus, I'm always going to come right back here and I'm going to love you. I'm going to spend time with you and so help me. It was almost as though I could hear him say, really? Will you really? I don't think you understand how much the Lord wants to fellowship with you. And by the way, I want to tell you something. You're sitting right there where you are. One of the biggest effective tools the enemy uses to literally disable us is to make us think that we never do anything sufficient to please God. And the enemy is an accuser and he never lets up. All of you listen to me. Many of you write a check or make a gift to help feed a hungry child, to give water, to support a missionary. That is bigger than I can ever describe effectively. You are no small part in the body of Christ. There's not one person sitting here in this studio that's not bigger in the kingdom purpose of God than the enemy is allowing you to believe. You have no, I said something to you before we came on the air about the importance of encouragement. 
If you become the shoulder for someone to lean on, you're going to find his shoulder, Christ's shoulder, always sufficient and always close. And you're going to find that he lightens the load because he's in the yoke with you and the burden becomes lighter. Once you begin to minister life and encouragement to others and notice them, it's amazing how involved you find God is in your own life affairs. What you are doing to touch others with the love of God is no small act. It's huge beyond description. The prayers that you pray for others, for our leaders, church and national, for your neighbors are not going unheard. Please understand that when you love Jesus and you devote yourself to him, he devotes himself to you and you have an intimacy and a fellowship and you do not listen to the accuser telling you that you're not adequate. Dudley Hall, you and I have talked many times about how the enemy makes people feel unqualified no matter what, and people make a big mistake trying to live up to some standard. Can you say something about the importance of people understanding their value in the sight of God and rule keeping not making them worthy? Yeah, I think we ought to understand that the, uh, the enemy's strat strategy, hell's strategy, is to accuse us, condemn us, tempt us, whatever, with the goal in mind, his goal in mind is to disqualify us. Because if I feel disqualified, first of all, I won't pray because I think God's not listening to me. Secondly, I won't expect any gifts that I have to be usable or to be anointed. Thirdly, I'll think I can't, I can't really see. I don't have any discernment, so I don't know who God wants me to minister to. Fourthly, I don't think God will talk to me, so I feel isolated. And so uh, I'm disqualified. And think about the men who have heard so many sermons about men need to be strong and love their wives and protect them and whatever. I never met a man yet that did it right, you know. <laughs> and, and, so, and so we all, so many of us men are just sitting around going, I'm disqualified. My wife knows what a jerk I am. She knows I'm a hypocrite. There's no use of me reading the Bible at night. She wouldn't <laughs> listen to it anyway. And there's no use of me trying to make spiritual stuff because and then the wives feel the same way. It's like, I'm not a submissive wife. I don't know what that word means. It scares me. I don't know what it means, and I'm not submissive. So they feel disqualified. Kids feel disqualified because they haven't, <clears throat> they haven't loved God with all their heart, all their soul, and right. So they feel disqualified. So you've got a bunch of people walking around feeling disqualified, not knowing that God is not keeping score. It is really difficult to play a game when nobody's keeping score, and God is not keeping score. Jesus kept score. He has filled out the card. He made 100 on every test, and he's paid the penalty of all the violations. And if we could believe that truth, that the Holy Spirit is whispering in our ear, rather than that lie that the other, the other father's whispering in the ear, then we could walk in some sense of peace. Well, that is exactly what God wants for every one of you here and every one of you watching. Father, I pray right now that every person listening to us will hear your voice assuring them of your love and your grace. And that when they ask for forgiveness, they don't have to beg. When they ask for bread, you're not giving them a stone. You're going to pour out on them the blessings that their heart longs for. And I pray this moment that they will simply yield their life to you and allow your spirit to fill them and your grace 
to cleanse them and give them the assurance of that relationship with you as Father, in Jesus' name. God hears those prayers. You don't have to beg. Boy, I really appreciate uh, what uh, Dudley shared, Betty, about feeling disqualified. I don't think there's a believer that the enemy doesn't try to convince uh, we're disqualified. Right. We're not effective, we're not uh, able. And uh, if we can stop that lie and recognize that uh, if we just give a cup of water, uh, the widow that gave the might, Almighty God looking through the eyes of his son Jesus saw that above all that happened in worship. I'm giving to the glory of God. I'm giving for the benefit of the people God loves. When we do that, we are living amazed that God's grace flowing through us can totally change everything for someone. And we can in Christ and together win the victory as a family in the shelter of the Almighty. I want you to look right now and I want you to see some lives that the love of God, our Father, flowing through you will give a whole new life, a whole new future. Watch this. South Sudan is facing one of the worst food crises since 2011. Parts of the country are experiencing the onset of famine, causing thousands of families to flee their villages. Teresa's story is not unique. It is the story of the children of South Sudan who have been forced from their villages in search of food. In their desperate struggle to survive, thousands are forced to forage for anything to fight off starvation. According to the UN, nearly one half of South Sudan's population are expected to be at risk of death in the coming months due to food shortages if help does not arrive very soon. Dear God, and so many of those precious people that right now are threatened with death are believers. They love Jesus. They've been driven from their home by radical extremists, radical Islamic uh, terrorists in their, in their own country. And Betty, we've seen what the love of God does because we've been there, we went there with Franklin Graham years ago. And right now the missionaries that are there are there at great risk. And they're there because they're full of the love of God. But the starvation factor is a reality in South Sudan, one of the greatest in history. And the only way that we're gonna be able to touch those people's lives is for us together to reach out in love and say, I'm gonna give you the food. So those missionaries that are there full of love, facing grave danger, there to express the love of God freely, can only do it if they have the resources to do it. I'm asking you right now to help us care for three, five, or 10 children for the next months, a miracle. As a matter of fact, if there's any way you could help take care of 100 children, we need it. We need a miracle outpouring of love right now. 30, 50, $100 feeds three, five, or 10 children. $1,000 
And there may be some of you watching and say, you know what, God's blessed me, I can give several thousand, do it. But a thousand dollars will touch and save the lives of a hundred children. Betty, let's just really join our hearts together as we do even before we come up here. And as we're asking people to go to the phone or to go online and make a gift, the best gift they can, they're giving the greatest gift, Let's pray that every person watching will respond. I hope you will. My heart was really touched as I listened to that child talking about their little sister or brother already dying because of starvation. And I had to wonder, does that child think, am I next? I saw my sister or brother die. Am I next? Let's don't let it be, be that way. Let's don't let that happen. Reach out and join with us and let's save the lives of these children. And I really believe our viewers will. So I'm asking you right now, Take a bank card, use it like a check, go online or dial that number and say, I'm going to be an answer to someone's prayer today. We'll always be there to pray with you. But right now, you're the miracle answer to prayer. Would you please do it? And would you ask God to give you the grace and the ability to make a very large gift? So whatever you can do, do it with God's leadership. Thank you for being the miracle someone desperately needs. In impoverished and even now famine-stricken areas of Africa, children are suffering. The need is great, and without food, they face death by starvation. Life's Mission Feeding Program is ready. With your support, we're able to feed and care for children in famine areas of Sudan, as well as Angola and Mozambique. With all of our previous reserves gone and Mission Feeding facing the worst drought and food shortage in years, we urgently need to replenish our food supplies to reach 400,000 children counting on us. Your life-saving gift of $30, $50, or $100 will help feed and care for three, five, or 10 children for the next three months. Please also consider a special gift of $1,400 to help sponsor a school and help feed 140 children for three full months. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you my Daily Word devotional. This box set of four seasonal devotionals will help you read, reflect, and renew yourself through God's Word with space to journal your thoughts and reflect each day. With your gift of $100 or more, you'll also receive Carrie Job's newest music project, The Garden, along with the Story Behind the Garden companion DVD. And finally, with your gift of $1,000 or more, be sure to request Determined Eagle, our 2017 commemorative bronze sculpture. Please call, write, or go online today and make your gift of life to help feed and care for hungry children. You know, we're anxious to send you the, the gifts, the uh, seasonal devotion, and also Carrie Job's The Garden, and then the story of how this came to pass. Uh, I, I'm hoping you are learning to be a determined eagle, that in the light of all the things we, we face, the pressures, the age of rage, that you'll be determined to soar in the turbulence of the times and face the challenges of the day, knowing that our God, our Father, is a shelter in any storm. He gives the peace in the valley. Thank you for being the answer to prayer for so many. Thanks for watching Life Today. Tell your friends to watch because we can be overcomers. Uh, the rest of this week's gonna be a blessing to you dealing with spiritual warfare. God bless you and thanks for watching.
We need to understand the power of the Word of God and then we stand in the completed work of Christ. Discovering the power of God's Word as we start living amazed. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.